Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, myself, Ken Miller, for the next couple of hours. Talking sports with you on the BMW of Des Moines guest list uh, here today. We're going to start off with Brandon Hurley. Uh, Brandon Hurley is a, I don't know, relatively young journalist, I would say. Uh, They get their money's worth out of him. Writes for the Carroll Times Herald, the Jefferson Herald. Uh, If you recall last year when the Raptors were uh, making their run to a championship, Brandon Hurley uh, and the local paper actually were on the road in Toronto. And uh, Brandon Hurley has now written a book. uh, And good for him, an autobiography, Rapture it's called. Uh, Nick Nurse with Michael Sokoloff and Brandon Hurley with a forward by Phil Jackson. So we're going to give him a little publicity. Got in his car, drove how many hours? I don't know, crossed the border, which you couldn't do. Right. In the, today. Yeah. It's just crazy to think, but that's the way it is. Um, yeah, so uh, Brandon Hurley's going to join us. Too bad he couldn't have got it out in advance for Father's Day. Missed it by, what, a week or so? But still, I wish him the best with this. And we're going to uh, discuss it and maybe uh, give him a little bump. Uh, it is now available. Rapture, the autobiography of Nick Nurse. So we'll talk to him. We're also going to talk to our friend Michelle Book from the Food Bank of Iowa because the... Um, some of the benefits that the unemployed have been able to receive during the pandemic are apparently scheduled to end. Uh, and the, um, the thought is that the food bank, which has been incredibly busy, uh, through this last three months is going to see another, uh, uptick in the number of people, uh, that, um, that show up asking for help. So Michelle Book will join Trent and I and we will, uh, do our best to promote what the food bank is doing and perhaps give you an indicator of how, if you're so inclined, uh, can help the food bank of Iowa as they expect, uh, to see more people here, uh, in the weeks ahead. In the 11 o'clock hour, I'm glad we changed what we were doing as we were, we began this non-sports era by coming, uh, you came up with it, uh, uh, credit where credit is due. We're looking back at some of the best teams in the mm-hmm. state of Iowa. Well, wait a second. Six and six, you're calling them one of the best teams. But the last couple of weeks, we've changed it to the more memorable teams. And this is a memorable team we're hitting Trent. on today. I mean, you the I the Cyhawk game, mm-hmm. the Seneca Wallace was he or wasn't he in game, the Seneca Wallace Texas Tech run game, getting to the humanitarian bowl, and then the one time Heisman candidate getting hurt in that game. Yes, so a lot of uh, and Chris Love, the the late Chris Love would come in and take his place at the end of that one. So a lot of. Uh, Memories, some better than others, the Texas Tech and the Cyhawk, and the better than others, if you're a Cardinal and Gold fan, obviously the Florida State uh, and the Humanitarian Bowl, maybe uh, the two that you uh, don't have uh, in uh, top of mind. But yeah, memorable it, team. There's frustrations in there, 2002, the great start to the season, the loss to Florida State mm-hmm. reeling off after that, six consecutive wins, getting as high as number nine in the country. And then Oklahoma. And then Oklahoma. And Texas after that. That was a closer game, the Texas game, mm-hmm. certainly than what we saw the week previous. But also that year, they lose to K-State, but not just lose. 
58-7. Jeez, I didn't. I don't remember that. Is that what it was? Just absolutely. So that was almost that worse than the Oklahoma score because that was a clubbing. That was too. They lose to Colorado, pretty good Colorado team, uh-huh. and then they finish up the season at home with UConn, a team that was transitioning uh-huh. yeah, from one double A to one A. They laid an egg. Trent, I picked them. I picked UConn. I remember it clear, vividly. I was working with Bob Dyer, mm-hmm. and I picked UConn, and it just wasn't me just trying, oh, look at this fool. Yeah, yeah. I legitimately picked UConn to win the football. I don't remember why. Uh, just the way the team was kind of going at the end, maybe. Mm-hmm. Working, doing mornings on the Jockaroonie with uh, with Bob Dyer. So anyways, uh, 11 o'clock, Roshan Corporation sponsors our look back at one of the more memorable teams. And man, oh man, this Cyclone Bunch fits the bill. We'll continue our Cyclone conversation with our friend Dave Sproul. Uh, from uh, KASI, uh, 1430 on the AM dial, home of Cyclone Sports in Ames. Uh, Dave will join us, as he always does on Friday. We'll talk some Iowa State. We'll do that, but there's other Iowa State news. Uh, Jamie Pollard uh, putting out an email yesterday uh, outlining some of the parameters that he expects uh, will uh, greet Cyclone fans when they make their way into Jack Trice and then later on into Hilton Coliseum. Get a big transfer from Old Miss. We'll do that. And then uh, Tom Caker will end things uh, from Hawkeye report.com they had fran mccaffrey yesterday and a lot of nuggets coming out of that mccann uh mccaffrey i'm zooming it was a zoomer right zoom conference yeah, yeah. uh so we'll uh, we'll do that with tom caker to uh, to end the week yeah i got a couple of different things for tom on the recruiting front that was one of the big concerns i know for hawkeye fans is what recruiting was going to look like after everything came out and, and african-american players and what mm-hmm. happened with doyle and the firing and the program as a whole when it was out there but for all intents and purposes, things have continued to go very well. Recruiting-wise, yeah. Recruiting-wise no on that front. And yeah. a little bit of a surprise, you know. You wonder where there are going to be a lot of decommitments. In fact, they got a recommitment yeah. of the cornerback uh, from down in Florida. Florida so we'll talk yeah. about that. And the 2022 basketball class offers are now able to give out. I think that started last week or early this week. And uh, with it, Iowa involved in a lot of prospects there. So we'll see where Fran is on the recruiting front because mm-hmm. he needs a big dude take over for Garza. He needs some help inside. He's got uh, Anaganale coming in this year, the big mm-hmm. man from Massachusetts by way of England, but needs some more help inside. So we'll talk to Tom about both football and basketball recruiting. Yeah, I look forward to that as we'll end our week with Tom Kegger. Lots of news, even though you would think that they would be struggling to find some topics. Uh, certainly not. You know, this is uh, to file away for later. Uh, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, there was a question that was posed to Scott Dockham in The Athletic that certainly got my attention. Uh, it has to do with Dwayne Banks and Dwayne Banks Field. And this, this might be this, um, what are we, what are we calling the group and the independent review that's taking place? I think it's, it's into the, I hope it's more than football, I guess is where I'm going. <laughs> sure. I hope that they're going to do a long look and they've been made aware. There's some former baseball players that played for Dwayne Banks that are coming out with some damning. Uh, allegations about some of the things that the Dwayne Banks, who again has the field named after him, that this is something I think is going to be dug into here in the weeks ahead. Uh, some of the former, some of his former players coming out on Twitter and laying it out there, um, not just in 240 characters, how many you get now, whatever, mm-hmm. 280, but actually, you know, uh, uh, attaching pretty big links. So we'll see where that goes, and we'll see if the uh, independent review board from Kansas City that's getting paid $600 an hour, if they want to keep running the meter, oh, yeah. uh, here's another one you can look into. And I'm assuming, because uh, that's the first I've heard of it, was in Doc's mailbag yesterday, and, and Scott really, he didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, to his credit, he didn't take the question out of the 
um, discussion. What do you call those things? The whatever. Uh, the mailbag, you know, you, we used to... Like, scroll? Yeah, that's not it, though. I used to be able to... A chat. Chat, chat. okay. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't remove it, so um, then started looking into it, and oh my gosh. There's a lot behind it. There huh? seems to be. Seems mm. to be. So uh, that's, that's file away for the weeks, uh, for the weeks ahead. Um, so yeah, looking, uh, looking forward to the program today. Uh, not a lot going on. I did do my test, but go ahead. What do you got? Well, uh, you're negative. Congratulations. Yes, I got my test back last yep. night, and uh, right away I sent the screenshot yeah. to you and to AD saying, I am good. A right. test comes back for COVID negative, so a little bounce in my step. And yeah. I had kind of a, a funky little stomach thing that cropped up right before I got it. And then, the results, you mean? Yeah, before I got the results. Oh, and then your head's playing games. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and I'm Googling <laughs> stomach issues, COVID, uh, going on and on and just... Your mind starts racing. Uh, I know. And as I'm laying on the couch and the kids are running around next to me and, Daddy, come play. I'm like, I don't feel very good. And I get those results and suddenly... Kids, come here. Yep. I just brightened <laughs> right up and, and was ready to go even though I didn't exactly feel great. It was one of those like one hour bugs I think that was mm-hmm. going through me. Regardless, yeah, went through the test. Now, you had your test yesterday, yesterday yeah. so... You know Maybe what? you'll get your results by late afternoon, early I, evening. I hope so. I do. I mean, I know that uh, apparently they have, at least in some instances, been... Um, they don't shut down at 5 o'clock on Friday, is my mm-hmm. point. Yeah. I know that... Well, my stepson got his. He did his a couple of weeks ago, and he got his on Saturday. So okay. maybe we will. But look, the process itself, i got to give Test Iowa credit. Uh, the whole process... And I'm assuming that, you know, June 24th, they've learned a lot from when they first started, mm-hmm. whenever that was, we'll say April 1st. Uh, so they've been able to tweak some things. It was seamless. Trent, it was absolutely seamless. The worst part of it was taking the swab out of my oh, nose. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I knew it was going to be bad going in. It goes in and then goes a little further and I think, all right, this is it, right? There's, there's no more. Uh-huh. And they find they, they put in another inch or so. And it's in there, I don't know, eight to 10 seconds, and then they repeat. But I thought the most uncomfortable piece of it, and this is minor, was the actual pulling the swab out of my nose was did the you, part that bugged me. Did you have the eye flutter that I did? No, not really. Huh. Not really. That's weird. Yeah. It different was, for everybody, I it guess. It must be different yeah. for everybody. But uh, look, if you're fretting it and if you've heard it's uh, uncomfortable, if it's a pain, it's not something you want to do right, every day right. but uh, it's certainly um nowhere near as bad as some of them have made it out to be so anyways uh we will move on um kim reynolds made it very clear yesterday the governor of the state of iowa that there's going to be fans in the seats i have no idea what happened at the story county uh health board meeting last night they they came out with their formal recommendation they? yes and that. that's falling on deaf ears because kim reynolds was asked yesterday and yeah i'd gladly go to a game at jack trice yeah i'd gladly go to a game at any of uh, at any of the stadiums uh in iowa so that tells me as i think it probably tells everybody that she is not going to um you know, write an order or whatever politicians do, banning fans uh, from watching football this uh, this fall. She made it clear she would go. Yes. And she's not going to go by herself. <laughs> right. right. She's right. only going to go if there's other people in the stands. So. Dozens of people in the governor sitting there governor, watching the right. game. Look at this. we got the probably whole place not, to ourselves. Right. That could probably be the way that's going to play good to be out. the governor. Well, she's going to be in a suite, too. Probably. Yeah. yeah probably she's not going to be hanging out with those commoners. Yeah, probably so, right? I never thought about that. Makes it a little bit easier yeah. to go to a game mm-hmm. when you got that set up. Yeah, anyways, uh, so that's uh, that was the latest. Uh, so do you you heard, was it a definitive 
a recommendation? Yeah, yeah. Was, it, were it, they were they unified? Yes, yeah. The, mm-hmm. Across the board, I believe everybody that uh, voted on it all said yes that there should not be fans in the stands. That is a recommendation. But like you said, it's falling on deaf ears. Yeah, they don't is. have power. Right. They don't have anything that they can and it's do. It's June. It's June. That's a point that still needs to be out there. And the freakouts of last week, late last week, really about this time, we're hearing all these cases. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a theory out there that for programs like LSU that had what upwards of thirty, yep, that's a good thing. Burn through it now. Yeah, I've heard the same thing, Trent. Burn through it now. I've heard the same thing. Maybe you're not going to be able to start exactly when you want with your team activities, mm-hmm. but Get through it, mm-hmm. and then by you know, and if if what the belief is that once you have it, you're going to have an ability to stave it off going forward. If that's the case, you're in good shape. Yeah. And then when you play Alabama, and Alabama's got twelve guys out, and <laughs> we do have one kid, but we're good. Mm-hmm. Advantage LSU, advantage Kansas State, advantage Texas, mm-hmm. getting out in front of that and, and having the number of people. Well, that pot- have had potentially it. we'll we'll see. Um, there's a couple of theories, by the way. Pete Thamel. Uh, He's he's been crushing things lately. Pete Thamel has been all over. Um, he's a terrific writer. He's with the New York Times, he's with Yahoo now. He's written some some really some articles, and this is why that's why I really appreciate. We don't know if the, that they're going to come to fruition, but it stops and makes you think. The, there's there's some ads, some Power Five coaches that would be willing to bet that the best. Way forward, and that there's a like there's a chance that this not a likelihood, a chance that this happens, that if it does um, prevent the full season be, from being played, that we will play football in January, or as they wrote in the piece, after the Super Bowl to finish out the season. Now that's one thing saying that mm-hmm. it's another thing for a Trevor Lawrence or Penny Sewell, you know the first and yeah. second round picks in the draft. Are you really going to want to come back and yeah you love your teammates yeah you love your school yeah but you'd love to get paid to play the game too and you these two uh, uh, these two examples are about to get paid and paid handsomely. So there's a lot of things being thrown out there as you would anticipate, but. Pete Thamel, to his credit, makes you think a little bit. Yeah, it, it really does. It's something that continues to be at the back, I think, of some people's minds at the forefront of others. And, and mm-hmm. for me, because of the money aspect, that's what I keep coming back to. And you do this for any amount of time. It always seems to come back to money in one form or another, regardless of what you're talking about, labor disputes, those types of things. It's always about money, even when people say it's not about money. And it's I think it's the same thing money. here. Yeah. This is what it's going to come back to. It's going to come back to that. If football doesn't happen in some form or fashion, mm-hmm. not football programs, athletic departments, mm-hmm. and not MAC schools or programs at the FCS level like you and I, not programs like that, big-time schools in our wow. state, Iowa and Iowa State, they can't survive. They can't survive maybe even a season away, some of them, without football and the checks that come along with it. To not have football, to not have that TV money, to not have any kind of money coming Mm -hmm. in in terms of ticket sales, it is going to impact in a huge way all these athletic departments. Well, you get used to the level of income that you've been bringing in. Mm -hmm. Everybody does, right? When you lose your job and you have to take a, you know, a pay cut or whatever, you're, you, you're paying your bills based on the level of money you were making. Likewise, athletic departments, they're flush with cash. The Big Ten money's rolling in. Um, look at the salaries that they're paying because they have to use that money. Yes. Look at the, uh, in facilities improvement that we've that we've undergone here, and we've seen across college athletics, to all of a sudden go from 
this level, way down back to where you once were 10 years ago, that's tough to do. When you're talking about people, the staffs, the ballooning of football staffs, especially all the assistants, you the can assistants you can trim the that. You can trim that and and save money that way, but it's not a significant amount. The other part, and you mentioned, you know what they've done facility wise, but think of the amount of money that has come in in terms of those loans and those grants that are out there that they have to pay back. And mm-hmm. if you go negative on that you're not going to be able to build going forward. Right. You you can't afford to do that. So it's not like you can just go to your school and say, hey, we need some more money. That's not the way it is anymore. College as a whole are in so much trouble there. You know, we always talk about endowments, and we hear about yeah, endowments. Right. And yeah. When do they tap into these endowments? Well, or, endowments? Or can, can athletic departments tap into them? I right. mean, I have no idea. And just universities as a whole. I mean, uh-huh. if there was ever a time to tap in and you know, Yale and their billion-dollar endowment, you would think the time. I wonder is now, what right? school does have the big. Would you would you think it would be an Ivy League yes, school, I a think Notre Dame maybe? No, I think it's Harvard. Is it? I believe so. In fact, that that's a fun little Google here. So that, you, that's where you my think money there is. actually is a list? I think so. That you can Google and you can find the school with the. Aren't wouldn't some of that come under the heading of private affairs though? I mean, do you do you have to make that public? Let's see here. Let's, let's see. What let's we can let's find. Uh, yeah. All right, this is from 2017. All right, so relatively current. The five institutions with the largest endowments in 17, Harvard. You were right. One, had yeah. it. And how much does it say? $37 billion. <laughs> Yale, second at uh-huh. 27. Texas, $26 wow. million. Billion. Texas. Stanford. A lot of oil money? Yes. Stanford is fourth All at right. $25 billion, right. And then you have Princeton at 23 so three Ivy League schools, a Pac-12er, and a Big 12er. Yeah, Texas. Look, we, we've heard stories in the past from Texas that, you know, a big booster wants to uh, write a check and wants to ticket, to ticket that money towards, I want this to go towards football, or I want this to go towards basketball. They've had to turn some of this down. We don't need the money. We've got enough money, but could we spend it over here on the swimming? We'll, we'll name the, uh, uh, the pool after you. The football is all taken. We we there's nothing else that we can sell. Texas, wow. Does it does it list the? I mean, it's only top five, right? Uh, I got a, a little deeper list now here. Six on the list. This will surprise you. MIT, brilliant. Massachusetts Institute right. of Technology, sixteen point five billion. Penn, Ray yeah. McCaffrey's yeah. alma mater. Yeah. They're uh, seventh on the list. Another Ivy. How about Texas A and M at eighth? More te- more of that oil money. <sighs> Aggies, yeah. Michigan Northwestern completes the top 10. Just had a caller check in and said that Grinnell College right here in Iowa has one of the largest of the private school sector. Now, I would have never guessed that. Now, what would be the reason behind that, I wonder? Did he say? He didn't. It's a great question. Notre Dame's 13th, Duke 14th, University of Chicago is 15th. Uh, Washington University in St. Louis is 16th with 7.2 billion. So I wonder if this was a um, an alum that was that made obviously a fortune mm-hmm. and left this behind. Right. Yeah. You know, I know Denny Albaugh is very good to DMAC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know where D- but that's my point. That's kind of my comparison here. That you know, to the school in St. Louis you just referenced. If there was an alum out there that that passed and made a fortune and didn't have family to leave it to. You wonder how they come up with this. I have no idea. I'm right there with you. I've I've scrolled past. I'm in the top 40, Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, all in there from the Big Ten. I'm trying to find Iowa if uh, they're on this list. I think it's a top 100, so I'm doing some scrolling. Haven't seen Grinnell on here yet, Uh but, uh, yeah, we're still in the $2 billion range here. But can you tap into it? 
Is, for is, athletic program trend, I we geez. we need ten million dollars for this year. Because what is it for? That, that's something I have no idea. What's this either. endowment for? Yeah, you know, I don't know. There's um, number 52, Grinnell College. Isn't that something? Just shy of $2 billion there in down. Good for you, caller, for knowing that. Yes. That is surprising. Ahead of Iowa State, ahead of the University of Iowa, <laughs> is Grinnell College. A lot of lawyers at Drake. Yeah. Did they make the list? Uh, we're down into the 60s. Still nothing yet. There's Nebraska checking in at 64, 1.66 billion for them. Where did, uh, uh, oh God, uh, Mr. Omaha, what the hell's his name? Billionaire, gazillionaire. People pay money to sit and have lunch with him. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I know the guy you're talking about. Um, oh, my God. Oh, If he had a number Buffett. in a position, I'd know. Buffett. Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Not Jimmy Buffett. Warren Buffett. <laughs> Jimmy's cousin. Yeah, Jimmy's cousin. University of Iowa, number 71, $1.432 billion. So they're on the board. They're on the board. Let's see if uh, Iowa State makes this. And, where, and how current is this one that you're on? This is the 2017 one. Yeah, this is the full list that I'm going through here. Uh, Rutgers at 82, Wake Forest, Baylor, Texas Tech, still no ISU, NC State, Trinity University, whatever that is. We know where they do have an advantage if indeed they they have to take significant cuts. Pollard's a money guy. Yes. Pollard is used to putting together a budget. Remember when Iowa State was broke? Remember when Iowa Uh State before they cashed Uh in, before Texas said, okay, we'll stay, Um, and the Big 12 became what it is today? I mean, they weren't, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was paled, obviously, into comparison. So he's been there, he's done that, uh, so certainly doesn't want to have to do it again, but who knows the way it's going. I know where we're going. We're going to talk to Brandon Hurley. Excited to talk to this kid. Give him some pub. Find out about what it takes to write a book and when the idea popped into his head. Maybe it, when, he was, was he, when he was driving. You know, from Demore, from Carroll mm-hmm. to Toronto, that uh, you know, if this all works out, maybe I'll write a book. Uh, we'll we'll find that out. Uh, but what have we got coming up, Trent Condon? Well, we're going to throw a little curveball here. We're going early. All right, that's the boomer of the day. It's brought to you by Iowa, Fire, Iowa Fireworks Farm. This is the last time the fireworks will go off on our show. Murph and Andy, they will today, and then, of course, the Fanatics later on. Uh, what call are you looking for? Taken caller number one, caller number one. Uh, You'll win $50 in fireworks. Find a bumper crock of boomers and dirt cheap prices at Iowa Fireworks Farm, 25 miles southwest of Des Moines on I-35, exit 43, we have our winner. If you have not had the phone answered, and if you're one of the many people that are on uh, getting a ring, you're too late. But if the phone's been answered, you're in. Murph and Andy will give you another chance today uh, sometime between 2 and 4. Likewise, the Fanatics uh, from 4 until 6. Miller and Condon, back, back with uh, Brandon Hurley. Michelle Book from the Food Bank of Iowa at 10.50. Uh, Roshan Corporation's team of the day. It's the memorable 2002 Iowa State football team. Seneca, was he in? The unbelievable comeback at Kinnick Stadium. And, of course, the run against Texas Tech. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, welcome back. 
Miller and Condon, 10.30 here on a Friday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We'll talk to Michelle Book from the Food Bank of Iowa coming up here in about 20 minutes. But uh, as we said yesterday and at the beginning of the program, today's a local guy, Brandon Hurley, writes for the Carroll and Jefferson Papers. Uh, he has written an autobiography on Nick Nurse. It's due out at the end of September. You can pre-order it uh, right now, and uh, Brandon one of the authors, along with Michael Sokoloff, joins the uh, program. Brandon, uh, Trent Condon, Ken Miller, good to have you back on the radio with us here. Brandon, how you been? I've been pretty good. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me on. It's good to good to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think last time we talked to you, you're in your car getting ready to cross the border into Canada, or you just crossed it and you were spending some time up there. But regardless, uh, so when did the idea pop uh, come up? Do you know what? I think I want to write an autobiography about Nick Nurse. Obviously, he'll chronicle his time growing up in Carroll and on to UNI, and off he goes to Europe and then back to Des Moines. Um when did it? When did it? Um, you know, pop into your head that this is something that there might be an appetite for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess before we before we get too deep, I want to clear it up a little bit. I actually didn't do any of the writing on it. I was kind of the the main researcher on it on okay. the book. So I don't want to take too, I don't want to take credit. Glad you cleared that up. Gotcha. Yeah, but yeah, my main my name does appear on the title page, so I appreciate you guys acknowledging that. But yeah, I was kind of the brainchild behind the whole book project uh started about probably december of 2018 right around christmas time so probably four months after nick was hired as toronto's head coach so they hadn't won a championship uh, yet obviously and this was already in the works no yeah yeah it was uh if anybody has written a book they'll tell you it's a long process so we kind of i jumped on the gun actually uh the former iowa boy chuck offenberger kind of put the idea in my Mm. head and uh I kind of just ran with it from there. So I, it sounded like a perfect idea. And I, I definitely thought, too, I was like, well, Toronto's got a – when I started, I, I, was, I figured Toronto had a shot at a title, but I still thought it was a long-away pipe dream type thing. But then all the chips fell in the right places and everything just exploded from there. You know, uh, Nick Nurse is such an intriguing character, obviously being from our state. It's important, and we love to uh, have those connections to our state. But for a guy that was, I mean, just not even at the lower ends of basketball, but you look at his career in Europe, coaching over there, to think that you can take that kind of road that he has in the D-League for a number of years and, and finally getting that jump up, even taking the assistant job with the Raptors in 2013, ultimately a head coach in the NBA, just how unlikely it is, his story of getting from where he was coaching to where he ended up last year. Yeah, yeah, that's really what inspired me to kind of start this book project because I mean, throughout the whole book, he talks about just jumping every at every chance you get. It doesn't, obviously, where Nick's career took him, he clearly took that to heart. I mean, he started out as a, as a player coach in Derby, England, and... Mm. Uh, actually it's pronounced Darby, and then yeah. just kind of went everywhere along the way. So he, through the, the constant theme throughout the book, it's just if you see a you know, new opportunity, take it because it might it might lead you to something great. Uh, so I want to ask you more about Michael Sokoloff because he's uh, obviously he's written a lot of books and uh, in his life he's uh, uh, and a lot of people have seen his name. Maybe uh, a longtime journalist. How did he get involved in the book? Uh, 
a lot of that was just out of my hands. That was kind of when, right after, originally I was planned to write the book. And then once, once the Raptors won the championship, the publishers wanted to speed the whole process up. So they went, I don't know how it worked, but they went and sought out Michael. And then they kind of just ran that by me. And I, I read a couple of his books before and I was like, well, that sounds great to me. And he did it a lot faster than I would, I could have done. I think once he had all the interviewing done, I think he wrote the book in about a month's time. So I definitely wouldn't have been able to do that. That's for sure. Well, of course, we'll get to uh, go down a trip down uh, memory lane with Nick Nurse and, and the origins going back to Carroll and Kemper High School. But the other pieces, what is it outside of the autobiography? What else do you find out about Nick Nurse and, and different than away from the basketball floor as you're going through this book? Uh, what I re- what really stood out to me is how he really hooked on to learning about the human behavior and human relationships. And he talked about it a lot throughout the book, and it's evident in his coaching style and how he re- interacts with the media as well. He really wanted to go beyond the X's and O's and really study how star players interacted with each other and how they actually re- reacted with coaches. And I think that was a great, great part that's really not discussed a lot is just how a coach interacts with players and how he builds relationships with them. Mm, interesting. Uh, Brandon Hurley is our guest. So, Brandon, how um, cooperative, I guess, was the subject of the book, Nick Nurse? It was it was pretty tough during season, especially since uh, a lot of this took place last season. So when they were making their run towards the NBA Finals, it was really tough to get him kind of locked down to go meet with him and talk to him. And I, I totally respected that, too, because, I mean, his number one job is to – coach an NBA team so I I I respected that a lot and it just Michael kind of took over at the once the championship was over and then he he even had a little bit of trouble too he had to go follow him down to training camp and then went up to Toronto so obviously Nick's a really busy guy so it was kind of difficult at first the name of the book is Rapture, 15 teams, four countries, one NBA mm-hmm. championship and how to find a way to win damn near anywhere and so he has. yes he has uh tell us about the the title did you have any influence at that all like the, the certainly the name of the book rapture there did you get any input uh no unfortunately i didn't have any input on that either but i like i liked what they came up with i do too I probably would have thought of something similar especially when i saw the title i was like rapture that's that's perfect but i would have went with that but a lot of the the minute details and the wording and all that stuff was kind of out of my hand. So it was all Michael and uh, and Nick. So how far does the book go? I mean, obviously they win a championship. Is there anything in there about the – because it's my impression – or just not my impression. It's my belief, maybe. I truly think that Nick thought that uh, Kawhi Leonard was coming back to Toronto. Is is that a part of it when, you know, the guy that's, uh, you know, best player on the floor um, – eh, Steph Curry's pretty good too um, – made the decision that he was not, was not going to come back for another run. Is that part of it? Yeah, it's definitely – he doesn't go into deep details of why Kawhi left, but he definitely talks about Good. the moment he found out when Kawhi left, and he talks about at length that whole championship season, the regular season, and the playoffs. So it goes really deep, and it's, that's the, one of the cooler parts of the book. It, it You really get to go into 
behind the scenes of a championship team in the NBA, which you don't get to see a whole lot. Brandon Hurley joining us. He's uh, helped uh, research a new book, Rapture, about Nick Nurse. I wanted to ask you, Brandon, you know a lot about Nick Nurse. We talked to you last summer as you were making your way up to Toronto for the uh, playoffs and, and just how incredible the story was as it was happening there. Being in Carroll, living there, talking to people, you knew a lot of the stories. What did you find out that was new? What, what part as you're researching was new to you, a story that you hadn't heard before? Um. I'd probably say I'd heard a little bit about this story, but I didn't know the depth. It was uh, how he built a pole vault uh, pit in his backyard with his brothers. They they went, they went and dug a pit down there, like a little shallow pit, and then they constructed two wood pillars, and then this was really unsafe, but they like put nails coming out of the wood so they could lower the bar and raise the bar, and they said they found like a kind of a broken pole and then they used that to pole vault and and Nick thought he Nick honestly thought that he was going to go off and like maybe he doesn't say that he was going to be an Olympian Olympian but he thought he was going to have some pretty good success pole vaulting so that that was one of the funnier stories out of the whole thing hmm. how about when he was down here with the energy is that a, a chapter or uh how much uh, how much uh, uh how many pages I guess off the top of your head devoted to his time here in Des Moines oh yeah there's definitely a chapter or two on that. I mean, he's been talking about that job here in Des Moines for a while as one of one of his favorite jobs, and he says it's one of the most inter- instrumental jobs too. I mean, he talked about that whole process and how he was basically the brainchild behind the Iowa Energy and how he went about wow. finding funding and whatnot, and then found Jerry Crawford, basically the GM, and yeah, Jerry Crawford, and then he was basically the GM and the coach, and his relationship with Curtis Stinson and all those guys. So it's, that's going to be a really cool part for any Iowa that picks up the book. What are the projections? I mean, if Nick Nurse was the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the, the book would sell out instantly. Uh, and the Raptors are very popular. They're, they're, they became Canada's team. Um, what do you expect projection-wise? How, book, how popular will the, uh, this book be north of the border? I think it should be very popular. In the last five or ten years or so, basketball has just exploded up yeah, in Canada, all throughout the whole country. It was, I read so many articles about it after the championship, just how the whole nation came together for the Raptors championship run. Because it was Canada's first professional championship in 26 years. So I think it's going to hopefully <laughs> for our sake, it, yeah. it sells like hotcakes and I don't see why not. Does he talk at all about his uh, three-day coaching stint with the Iowa State Cyclones? <laughs> nice. Does that make the book? No, that's the that's the one part that was actually left out. <laughs> Probably I best. thought it would be mentioned a little bit, but no, he did not not mention that part. Well, that's good stuff. So, Brandon, when the book actually comes out, uh, will you be part of the tour? Will Sokoloff and the publishers? I mean, your name's on it. You should be there, right? When the uh, uh, when the book actually uh, hits bookshelves, have they made any plans for September around the release that involve you? No, they haven't. I actually just asked about that a couple of days ago. They haven't ironed that out yet because the book at least still isn't until September 29th. So we have some time. And I imagine with everything going on with COVID and stuff, they probably want to play it a little yeah. play by ear right now. But hopefully there is a, a big get together. And I talked to my boss and Carol, uh, Doug Burns, and he was even mentioning 
maybe even holding some type of book release at the library in Carroll. So nice. That, that could come down the road, too. Well, I mean, uh, sadly, right now, as it stands, if they do release it up in Canada, you, you or Sokolov won't be able to get across the border, yeah. <laughs> which is it's crazy to think. Well, listen, uh, Brandon, uh, great stuff. Congratulations to you and uh, Michael Sokolov for putting this book together and for we look forward to the release for it. Obviously, there'll be more buzz as it comes close. But right now, how can you pre-order this book? Uh, you can basically find it anywhere that books are sold. You can find it on the Amazon. You can find it uh, on Barnes & Noble's website. You can find it on Apple Books, Google Books. Basically, anywhere that a book is sold, it's up there for pre-sale coming out September 29th. Rapture is the name. 15 teams, four countries, one NBA championship. How to find a way to win damn near anywhere. Nick Nurse with Michael Sokoloff and Brandon Hurley with the forward by Phil Jackson, pretty cool. Well done, Brandon Hurley. I bet it was one of them. Take care. Good to talk to you, Brandon Hurley. uh, One uh, names on the book. Didn't write it. I thought he did. My apologies to my research. He did researched it and. Uh, Looking pretty critical for him to put his name on the cover, for crying out loud, right? And he got the whole process started. And he got the whole process started. Well done. Local kid. Making good. Love to see these stories. Really, really do. And looking forward to getting my hands on this one. Uh, my wife just ripped through a book. as She uh, she has a little book club with her, her work friends. And they have their meeting coming up tonight. So... She read a book in a day. It was like 280 pages. I, I, I'm, I was absolutely baffled by it. But I haven't read nearly as many books. I used to read I mean, a book a week. I would go through and anymore because of this stupid little device in my yeah, hand, my phone. Right. I'm just constantly reading on there. I'd love to get back into books because there's so many good topics out there. There's mm-hmm. so many great books and just a different way of read. You feel more accomplished with a book than you do just reading through your phone, even if you're quote unquote working. It's just a different level. It really is. I need to get back into it, and this is one certainly that There's is no going to that's me. going to happen, Trent. No, no, no book no, for no you. Sh- no, for you. Oh, that that I'm going to get back to reading. Yeah, I mean, you got two young kids. Ah, that that's what late nights all about. No, it's put a baseball game on. Seeing, yeah, put a baseball game on. Have that know. on the background, yeah, maybe. A little reading. I I think I could handle that. I'm going to be trying this one at the very least, and and giving yeah, this one a shot for sure. Good, uh, good job, Brandon Hurley. Way to go. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Speaking of baseball, I mm-hmm. wanted to hit this quickly in the first segment, but ran a little short in time. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about hopefully getting the schedule released from MLB today. Yeah, next week, apparently. Yeah, Bob Nightingale. I was reading his piece yesterday at usatoday.com. 10 to 14 days before it's officially well, going to be released. So what's the holdup? I saw uh, first pitch times, game start times. Mm-hmm. What else? I, I have no idea. They've been working through this. and it's not like he, somebody else is using Wrigley Field. <laughs> right. He interviews uh, Chris Mariak, who is in control of the scheduling and putting things together. He talks about kind of all the parameters that are there. Mm-hmm. They know who everybody's going to play. Mm-hmm. It should be... You wouldn't think it would be 10 to 14 days. No, you wouldn't. Uh, Tommy Birch reporting that he's hearing speculation that the Field of Dream game will be Cubs cards. Oh, that ramps it up. It does. White Sox Cubs would be good. Well, would they take away one from the city to play it there? I think they would. How about it was originally going to be Yankees White Sox? Or... Right. Wouldn't the White Sox be upset though that they? Uh, I think I know absolutely that they'd be taken away. White Sox Twins, please. Uh, well, maybe a Cubs cards. I think would would move. Well, it the would, no doubt. But for travel reasons, it's mm-hmm. going to be Central Division. Right. Matchup. Yeah. Right. So the Yankees are the out. The Yankees are out. 
And they'll play in future years, I'm they sure. Will for sure. Yeah, if they use it this year, they're going to use it yes. in, uh, in the years ahead. We're going to talk to Michelle Book from the Food Bank of Iowa. Next, we'll find out what's going on there. Apparently, there is about to be another need. Uh, so we will uh, give Michelle Book an opportunity to uh, share their message. Uh, in the 11 o'clock hour, Roshan Corporation will start things off with our memorable team. as the 2002 Iowa State football team. Dave Sproul from KASI will join us at about 11.20. And Tom Kakert on the Hawks at 11.35, 11.40-ish. Miller and Condon take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3. FM, we take you until noon. Busy 11 o'clock hour coming up, but to end the first hour of the program, our friend Michelle Book from the, she's the CEO, by the way, of the Food Bank of Iowa. Uh, she joins the program. Michelle, welcome back. Trent Condon, this is Ken Miller. Good to speak with you, Michelle. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me this morning, Trent and Ken. Uh, Michelle, I've seen a lot of national stories of food banks around the country that are bracing themselves uh, due to the fact that apparently a lot of the uh, additional benefits, whether it be rent, whether it be an, an extra, I'll call it a stipend in unemployment, these things starting to go away uh, and food banks across the country bracing themselves uh, for the impact that that uh, um, might show up at their door. I'm assuming you guys are the same way. Yeah, that's correct. The extra $600 in weekly federal unemployment benefits that many unemployed Iowans have been receiving over the past few months, those stop in July. Um, and for many people, um, that means the end of a lifeline, that a lifeline will be cut. We, ex- we expect, fully expect, that July, August, into September and October, that the need will be fully, fully, fully realized at the food banks. It was a huge month, uh, the month of June, maybe your largest distribution month in terms of pounds in the organization's history. As we're coming up towards the end of the month, the, the need continues to be incredibly high, and you guys are continuing to do great work with the Food Bank of Iowa. Just how crazy has it been inside the office? You know, we have come to the office, every one of the Food Bank of Iowa team members here in Ottumwa, in Des Moines and in Ottumwa have been here all day, every day. Mm. Um, our drivers have been on the road. We've expanded our truck routes, so we have more trucks on the road, more food uh, going out across the state. And, uh, you know, COVID has a silver lining, and I think that, that part of that silver lining is that we've really come together as a team. Uh, we all know why we're here, and we all know that there's need, and we've been here working hard, and the community has shown up to help. Uh, so we're not alone in this. Uh, we're all pulling together. I just, I know as these unemployment benefits go away. Kids are still home from school. Mm-hmm. Uh, fall is uncertain. Uh, that we will have people, even as the economy starts to come back to normal and it starts to cure for many people, there are going to be people that are left behind. And we're going to see numbers. Feeding America is telling us we're going to see numbers that are two and a half times what our normal food insecurity would have Jeez, been. Jeez, that's unbelievable. You know, over the last, I think, three years, Trent and I have been uh, happy to promote the smoke-out hunger that you guys are part of. Uh, this year's going to be a little bit different, though, Michelle. Tell us about uh, one of the events of summer smoke-out hunger that uh, sadly is going to have to be tweaked. Well, smoke-out hunger is the fa- my favorite day of the year when we normally would be getting together at the Britain Skating Plaza. 
uh, with several hundred friends of Food Bank of Iowa to, to eat good local barbecue and drink local craft beer. Uh, but we're going to take it virtual. So we're working with area restaurants uh, to put together a package where people will be able to buy tickets online, um, and then those tickets will be convertible to a meal that they can pick up from um, whatever restaurant they choose from uh, from the buffet that's offered to them. So we'll give them a list of restaurants, we'll give them the menu, um, they'll buy a ticket, and then they'll get to pick up the meal of their choice that day um, to help support the Food Bank of Iowa. Is that up on the website yet, That those, inf- those details? They will be coming shortly. Gotcha. We're still solidifying the, we're still solidifying the, the partnerships. Um, but it, it, stay tuned. It'll be there probably in the next week or two. Gotcha. Michelle, it's a great event. Really enjoy that. Uh, another great thing you're doing throughout the summer, you partnered up with Orchestrate Hospitality, 2,000 hot meals each week throughout the summer. Tell us a little bit about that plan and how you partnered up with Orchestrate Hospitality. So here at Food Bank of Iowa, we've been seeing offers of bulk food from um, providers that normally would be selling to restaurants or schools or other institutions like a, like a work cafeteria, uh, they have large items that they're trying to find a home for this food, food rescue. So, and we know catering services right now, caterers are, are, not, are not working. We're not, right. We don't have parties and events. So orchestrate Paul Rottenberg and his group stepped up and said we have facilities, we have people that would otherwise um, not have work, and we have food. So we've put together a program working with Orchestrate, uh, food from Food Bank of Iowa. Um, we're working with Urban Dreams, St. Vincent de Paul, Catholic Charities, and New Life Center mm. to get 200 very well, tasty, prepared hot meals out um, to these locations every week this summer. Um, Orchestrate's not making a penny off of it. Um, food Bank of Iowa gets to use food that's coming through our door, good, healthy, nutritious food, uh, to benefit and work with four local um, health and human services organizations that are just really working heart and soul to help folks in, in their communities. Uh, Michelle Book from the Food Bank of Iowa. Michelle, uh, in our final minute here with you, um, I want to go back to where we started. I thought you know, July was probably there was going to be a need, but then you mentioned August and September and October. So in our final minute here with you, uh, how can folks help? The website, obviously, foodbankofiowa.org. But what do you need? You need volunteers. Uh, take the last minute to, uh, uh, to get your message out there. Feeding America has told us to, to plan on expanded need through December of 2021. Wow. Uh, this is going to be a long haul. We continue to need volunteers to help us pack um, food boxes, um, but we also need financial support as well. Um, again, this is not going to be a quick and easy cure for many, many Iowans that live in the lower half of our economic wrong ladder. Michelle Book, uh, Michelle, we will uh, talk to you in the weeks ahead. Uh, if there's a need, have Dylan reach out to Trent and myself, and we will get either you or Dylan on the air to uh, to make sure that your message is heard. Michelle, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for sharing what's going on at Food Bank of Iowa. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your continued support. It means the world to us. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Happy to do it. Uh, and thank you to NCMIC uh, for their support uh, of uh, of our program. All right, Trent Condon. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's t- t- uh, December 2021. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't watch anything nationally and see, and see a story from wherever around the whole country, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a significant need and 
anyways. Thank you, Michelle Book. The 11 o'clock hour. Looking forward to this memorable 2002 squad for so many reasons. There's a lot of angles to this team. I mean, week one. Yeah. Arrowhead Stadium, Eddie yeah. Robinson Classic. Remember the game vividly. Did I you did make too. the trek down? No, I did not. I did not. Because this was back when you actually would still go places. Yes, yes, I was. But you didn't do that one. I didn't do that one. You I, like Kansas City. No, Well, I like Kansas City. I don't like Arrowhead. Oh, bad memories. Well, yeah. There was actually some good memories there, too. Yes, that's true. But, that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. I'm, I'm over that Chiefs thing now. I'm happy for their fan base that, uh, that they won last year. Patrick Mahomes is face of the league. Sadly. And basically everybody back. <laughs> basically everybody back. And they did weren't asked to change divisions in the offseason. I crossed my fingers. I held out hope, but still no, in the way. No realignment. No, no realignment. Uh, we will talk about the 2002 Iowa State team. Dave Sproul from KASI and Tom Kakert on the Hawks. Miller and Condon till noon. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.